Welcome to the Behind the Bits podcast. Your host, Scott Curtis, wants to learn everything he can about stand-up comedy and take you along for the ride. Scott and his guests talk serious about comedy in every episode. Behind the Bits will uncover knowledge from different perspectives on subjects such as writing and performing stand-up comedy, as well as booking shows and the comedy life. If you're thinking about becoming a stand-up comic, already in the comic game, or a comedy nerd, Behind the Bits is the show for you. Now, let's get Behind the Bits. Hey, BTB buddies, I wanted to let you know that I have a Patreon page now so that you can support the show. Check out patreon.com forward slash BTBPC and check out the cool stuff you can get for as little as two bucks per month. You can also find the link in the show notes. Thanks, as always, for listening. All right, we're live. It's Behind the Bits, and I'm live on YouTube and Facebook with Joanne Filan. How you doing, Joanne? Hey, Scott. I'm excited to be here. I'm doing great. Uh, and, that's a lie. I'm yeah. not doing great. <laughs> Who is doing great? <laughs> no, everything one. sucks right now. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> I, should just, I should not start off with a lie. That's <laughs> At least you got somebody to talk to for a little while. Yeah, that's true. It's nice. It's nice. It's excellent. Yeah. Now you're a East Coast comic, correct? Yes. Yes. I am from New Jersey. Form a lot in New York, though, too. Okay. Okay. Great. So, Joanne, when did you start doing comedy? I think it was. uh, It's funny. I always forget, and then time just flies by, and years go by, and I think it's somewhere in the fifteen. Uh, year range okay. that I've been doing it, I so, think. <laughs> so would it offend you if I asked you how old you were when you started then, since you're putting years to it? Oh, <laughs> that makes it, uh, there's a lot of math involved. Yeah. In <laughs> and if I've, I've already used up my lie at the beginning okay. of the thing. So. <laughs> okay. But you weren't, you weren't 16 when you started, obviously. No, I was not. Okay. I was absolutely not. No, okay. I was, I wish I had started earlier. Of course, Don't. would have been yeah, would have been nice. But, I um, um, I feel like when I talk to people who started comedy a little bit later, I feel like that you get a little bit of a jump start because you're not so full of yourself when you start because you've already been through that. <laughs> and that's true. That's true. Yeah, yeah. yeah it was I, a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. So thinking about comedy and your influences obviously you must have thought about it for a while before you did it what influenced you to want to do comedy and which comics were the ones that made you want to be like them that's it's good a good question i think one of the the reasons i want to do comedy is just always enjoy making people laugh but as far as like influences not even just in stand-up but in comedy I always enjoyed watching Carol Burnett, the Carol Burnett show. And it's not stand up, but it's it just would just so hilarious. I absolutely so, love that show. Yeah, no, and she's just everyone on it was so great. Tim Conway, Harvey Corman, all of those when I was little watching them, that was just so funny. And they and I can still watch it now. Yeah. So always a good influence. And then even like Bob Newhart. 
I've mm-hmm. always been a, a big fan of his. I have uh, an album, one of his, the Un... Oh, my God. Uh, which album do I have? It's, I think, his first comedy album. Is it the um, Button Down comic? The, the Unbuttoned down minds God, I yeah it's something it, looked at yeah buttons in there i know that yeah yeah, yeah. button down mind something like that but yeah so he's a big he was a big influence in my thoughts of comedy and then of course people that you robin williams mm. is always a, a good joe rivers any of the chris rock mm. so many but overall like way back when i was little watching the uh, caliber that shows one of the the big influences in my mm-hmm. thoughts on comedy. What was it that made the push to get you on stage? You, you, you obviously have to have a first time. And what was it that made you get up on that stage the first time? It was it's one of those things that it's just people would say, oh, you're funny, you should do comedy. Years, mm-hmm. you know, or, oh, whatever. And then I just, one point, I just was like, hey, you know what? I think I'll, I'll do it. And mm-hmm. I, I like taking classes. For some reason, I, I would take random classes online or whatever, adult education classes mm-hmm. when they have them and stuff like that. And uh, so I took a class in, in New York in the city, um, which there's 7 million classes right. <laughs> that you can take. But I took one of those, and it was like six or eight weeks and then we had a graduation show uh-huh. at, at uh, Caroline's. It was big, you know, yeah. big deal on Broadway, and uh, <laughs> and it did uh, it did my five minutes in front of my friends and family and people that had to laugh uh-huh. essentially, <laughs> and that was it. That was that's how I got hooked. You know, Who taught that amazing, class? It was Steve Rosenfeld. No, Field. Yeah. Rosenfeld. Yes, Steve Rosenfield. It was the American Comedy Institute. Uh huh. Have you read his book? <laughs> no, I have not. Yeah, I actually i i got it as an audible book. Oh, I can't remember the title. It's Steve Rosenfield, and I can't remember the title to save my life. But there was the so much. Down mind. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> button <laughs> something. something. Button up your comedy. You know. Right. <laughs> <laughs> there was so much good stuff in there. I. The only thing that I didn't agree with was how he wanted you to plan your crowd work. And oh. he may have taught that. He he has a whole chapter Ooh. on planning your crowd work and getting them to say what you want them to say so you can respond in the way you want to respond. That's interesting. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Never yeah. thought about it that way. Yeah. <laughs> It's really good. The only thing is if you get the Audible book, you have to increase the speed by 1.25 uh, because he talks extremely slow. He's narrating it himself. <laughs> yeah. no, we don't have time for this. Yeah. <laughs> speed it up. Thank yeah. goodness for that. So, so I sped it up, and yeah. he sounded like he was just yammering along, and I got everything yeah. I needed. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> Yeah, I do that with so many podcasts. I'm just like, no, you guys are just, no. Yeah. Time. <laughs> My attention span has long since gone. Yeah, no doubt. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I know that a lot of people take that class and classes like that. There's ones in mm-hmm. Chicago and ones in LA where you can do that and you do your graduation set. How many yeah. of the people that were in that class with you, if you were to guess, how many of them actually went on to do stand-up comedy after that? As far as I know specifically, 
I know two people that were in the class that still do comedy. Mm. And I know them. I know them still. One is still, he's still in New York. Mm. And the other one lives in Texas now. But, okay. but both of them are still doing it, give or take a couple of years off or something like that. But mm-hmm. they're still doing it. And as far as the other people, I have, I have no idea. Yeah. And I know a lot of folks, it's, it's either a bucket list thing or they want to get yeah, better at right. public speaking and things like that. Their intentions yeah. are not to be a stand-up comic, but they go through right. that class because everything you learn in a class like that translates to just about everything you do in life. So you might yeah. as well take it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. There's some something you'd be able to use. <laughs> yeah. Uh, thinking about, this is a new one for the rapid round. Oh, okay. Uh, I, I, I'm always interested in what people are reading, uh, music they're listening to, podcasts they're listening to. Is, is there anything that has? Obviously, we've got a little bit more time now. Is there anything that you're mm. into right now that has really sparked a light bulb, changed your life a little bit? Um, I, I listen to a, a lot of podcasts, of course, um, a lot of comics podcasts. Mm which has been very definitely interesting because right now I feel like comics are doing their best to do different things. Mm. There's one Jessica Kirsten. Have you heard of Jessica Kirsten? Yeah. I've been approaching her for my podcast and so far I'm getting shot down. So she's, well, she's got a lot going on. She she does always. And she is hilarious and an amazing, she's an amazing comic and an amazing woman. Always been very supportive and just an amazing person. But she, her podcast is, although it is talking with other comics, but it's also has a, almost like a, a therapeutic side right. to it too. Yeah. So I think that's interesting. I've been enjoying listening to that. I'm listening to also Alan Alda has a, a yeah. podcast. Have you heard of that? Yeah. The, the science podcast. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's really interesting about communication and stuff like mm-hmm. that. So I've learned a lot from that, too. It's uh, been enjoyable. Those two podcasts. And then as far as reading, I don't know if I've read a lot lately. <laughs> I can't mm-hmm. keep my mind uh-huh. uh, quiet right yeah. now <laughs> enough to sit down and actually read printed words. Right, right. <laughs> but, yeah. But- that's Doing great. And the, the funny <laughs> thing is, is you mentioned a couple podcasts I actually can just what Jessica is doing with hers, I particularly like because she's she's exploring her own issues. Yes. And doing that with somebody so that they can explore their own issues. And you're right. Yeah. It's very therapeutic. And I don't think there's very many of the episodes that I've listened to that don't have something that click with me, you know? Right, I know, exactly. Yeah. I feel the same way. We don't all experience all of it, but there's something right. there, the parent issues and the depression and all that kind of stuff. It's Stuff clicks with you, and, and it's nice. Sometimes it's just nice to know that somebody's going through it. Somebody else is going through it, and they're coming out of it, and they're, they're right. as okay as somebody can be. In, in right exactly today. yeah <laughs> and the things yeah and the things you think about insecurities and stuff like that that yeah. everybody has them and especially uh, as a comic to watch another comic who, who i know to be an amazing comic hilarious just kills every time she's on stage 
and she still has the same kind of insecurities. Yep. So it's interesting to see. Yeah, uh, that's, that's really nice. nice to see. Yeah. So the last question for the rapid round, what comedy album or special would you consider to be your all-time favorite? As far as comedy albums, the button-down mind of, of uh, Bob Newhart, yeah. because that's really the only the comedy title album right. I have. Yeah, I think it is the button-down mind. Yeah. That is, I love that one. Specials. <laughs> there is, I've enjoyed uh, a number of uh, specials from Ellen, Ellen DeGeneres, some of her older ones. Mm. Also, there's one that I really enjoyed that I saw on Netflix, Sarah Silverman's Speck of Dust, I think it's called. Mm-hmm. I watched that. I think I've watched that a couple times. Okay. And I, I've definitely enjoyed that. As well as uh, Wanda Sykes has a good one mm-hmm. on Netflix, too. Yeah. Don't know the name of it, but those <laughs> are the ones that I've, I have I think are up there on my list. Great. <laughs> Great. So for the people who are watching live where can they find your website, your social media, all the stuff that you're doing? They can find my, my website is upstreamcomedy.com or joannefiland.com. Both mm. will take you to the same place. And on social media, I think uh, Instagram, Twitter, I'm at Joanne Filan and uh, Joanne Filan Comedy, I think on Facebook. And I think that is, yeah, that's where I am. I haven't okay. ventured into TikToking or whatever. <laughs> I wrote a it's joke like about a that. I, yeah, uh, I've got I've got a bit. Yeah, because right. <laughs> I I don't have it either. <laughs> you got to draw the line somewhere. Yeah, I mean, yeah, no doubt. <laughs> so if you're watching now, Joanne and I are gonna talk to ourselves for a while, and you can't watch anymore, but you can subscribe to the Behind the Bits podcast on all the podcast apps. It's on Apple, Android, any podcast app. I've put myself on it, so it's easy to find. Or you can go to my website. It's thebtbpc.com. Thebtbpc.com. Thank you for watching and subscribe to the podcast to hear more. Thank you. Okay, now we can talk. Oh, excellent. <laughs> That's interesting. It's a, yeah, I a, think the other thing about these streaming streaming apps is bandwidth is always an issue. And uh, the streaming, the video, the audio, I think all of that plays into my audio sucking. So once I get off there, we actually both sound better in, in my headphones. Oh, that's good. Yeah. So I, I do, I'm think, thinking about starting up. I did a uh, thing on Thursday nights called the Internet Talk Show. Oh, And okay. I streamed that live, the whole thing. And the, I, took, I stole it from what Ian Bagg's doing. It's almost a direct ripoff of Ian Bagg's uh the thing he does at nine o'clock every night and I just have three or four guests on and I've got a format. I turn into Dean Martin for part of it. And, <laughs> and it's, it's just weird, wild and funny instead of all the serious stuff we talk about. So I'm thinking about bringing it back, but I have to manage my work life, my married life and this life and make sure all of them work. And right now I'm doing some, <laughs> some later in the evening podcast and I don't want to, totally uh keep my wife out of the out of our life because she's still going to work every day you know oh yeah yeah. so thinking about 
comedy going up for your first time and obviously it clicked with you did you come up with some sort of a plan after that did you say i'm just going to hit a bunch of open mics what what was your reaction to that that first one at gotham i think what i did was actually after the after the show the comic that was the host of our show told me he had like connected with the class, he had a a bringer show, uh-huh. which uh, you guys have bringer shows out there. No, we're or, we're not big enough, but I know what they are. Uh, Chicago okay. has some. So it's a very controversial yeah. <laughs> topic, <laughs> but the way I the when I started that was a, a great way to get stage time. You mm. know, whether I was considered as being used, I don't know. I don't care. It got me staged. Mm. And so he had a bringer show and basically asked me to try to sign up for it and do mm. it. So I started doing that one as, as much as I could as until I now eventually have no friends basically <laughs> is what happens. With that. There's no. only so many times. No more comedy. Watch <laughs> yeah. I, just, I don't want to, you know, that people would not talk to me. Hey, what are you up to? Yeah. Well, I'm not busy. <laughs> no, I'm not asking you about a show. I swear. <laughs> but, uh, so I did a lot of bringer shows for a while and then some open mics and stuff like that. I really didn't have a plan. Mm. I just knew that I wanted to keep doing it. Mm. And so I would write and do the bringer shows, do the do some open mics. I've never been really good with open mics. Mm. I did them more when I was first starting out, but as time went on, I just never felt like they were helpful to me. I don't know if you you open mic type Person, you, you know, I swear by them. I do them, but I don't feel like I get a whole lot of growth from them. It's more yeah. just so I can see my friends. Yeah, you know, it, yeah, it's yeah. a good social kind of situation too. Yeah, and and when there's actually something I really want to, I want to say through in front of people other than my wife or the computer or whatever, and get a reaction. It's okay mm-hmm. for that, and open mic reactions are definitely different than when you're doing an actual show. Yeah, but it, absolutely. Even if you get a chuckle at open mic, you might have something. Yeah. <laughs> sometimes. Yeah. yeah. And then sometimes you're just like, Oh, these people are all just waiting to go up. Yep, yep. <laughs> I have no idea. I'm Looking at their notebooks. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Which I did myself. So yeah, <laughs> it's just the same kind of thing. But yeah. So I sadly, yeah, it's so different i think for everybody how it how it it works best for people hmm. i met that's how i met john Poveromo doing it must have been a bringer show at uh at gotham hmm. and we met and we just we ended up commiserating with how we did not fit in with the other comics yeah because <laughs> <laughs> so, we didn't talk shop we didn't talk comedy we just but it's so yeah it's good so you've got, uh, I've watched quite a few of your clips. You've got an easy style. You're not like an in-your-face type comic, and you, you it's a lot of self-reflection and observation and stuff like that. Is that. Did that come to you fairly early, or did you start out trying to do the one-liner stuff, or how did that work for you? That, I think, oh, i got a cat in the background. Cats, I see the tail. Obviously, yeah. <laughs> 
I think I did. I tried to see what the different ways, one-liners and all of that. But I think, yeah, eventually it it did just come around because it, I'm not a huge, I'm not extremely different than my stage persona. Mm. So it just kind of came naturally to be that way. Not, I don't think I'm a very in your face kind of person in general. Mm. So it's just how it came out. And some people obviously are hugely different than their stage persona mm. and stuff. And, and thank God. Yeah. <laughs> because <laughs> Some people are just, Asshole. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, how thinking back to like Lewis Black, that would be scary as hell. Oh, yeah. That's way he was like on stage. Oh right? yeah, and he's a sweetheart <laughs> off stage. Though. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but hilarious, yeah. So yeah, it just yeah, it just came fairly naturally and fairly early on. Yeah, I used to wonder if there was because people say. They would say you have to find your persona. Mm. You, know, you just got to keep trying things out, and and, uh, and it's just never nothing ever clicked as to being anything different, mm-hmm. you know, than than myself. Yeah, so, that's great you know. that you found it early. Yeah, I think unless I still haven't found it, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which could be I, yeah. as well. I don't know. <laughs> so, I liked what I saw, so I think you're doing well, okay. Thanks. <laughs> So you're doing the bringer shows and mm-hmm. you, you meet John and you, you're obviously working on getting some paid gigs. When, right. t- tell me about your first paid gig. How many minutes did you do? Uh, mm-hmm. What was it like? Okay. Let me think now. What was my first paid <laughs> gig? <laughs> I've done some early on. I think I did... Mm, as far as technically paid, I would get paid to be an MC, I guess, first mm-hmm. uh, and foremost. That would be like the, my first foray into getting paid almost like on a, a regular mm. uh, basis. But then but that's but that would be mainly in, in New York City. Mm. So it'd be doing because there's so many shows in the city and so many clubs. So uh, you could get to know. Uh, a lot of different clubs and get to be known at a lot of different clubs mm. so that you could get on a, a roster to be booked to MC regularly, or even obviously just do guest spots and stuff like that. Mm. But I guess as far as actually being paid you, as an MC, that would probably, I guess, be my first being paid. Mm. Did <laughs> you do the MCing for a while? Yeah, I still do in the city a lot because it's, I enjoy it and it's different because it, it helps. I think it helps a lot to MC for when I go to do shows like out on the road, as far as crowd work and mm. just working with different situations, being an MC, you have to be able to flow, go with the flow and react to the different types of crowds mm. and get a lot of different types of crowds in the city depending on you know what club you're at and right. like that the mc so is you. really the hardest job of any of them up there it's because yeah. you you've got you you got to let the crowd 
say their stuff because there's always a few people in the crowd that want to talk and get that out so your feature and headliner don't get heckled and you got to do the birthdays and the anniversaries and then try to get a few jokes in there and get them warmed up and ready to go and it's really it's really challenging and i've seen some people who are very good at it and i i really respect that when when you can do that i agree i I definitely it's it it used to be like long time ago where the more experienced you were would be the more experienced comics would be the MCs Mm -hmm. and not the way it is now in a lot of cases where as you're, when you're newer, you, you start MCing, which I agree more with the way it used to be, because like you said, it is a, it's a very difficult position because you're not just doing your set and and half the time you're barely doing a set, right? You're just, you're, warming them up you're getting them into it yeah getting it ready for the other comics yeah so it's not even so much a job to be funny right uh, but as make it so that the other comics can be funny right now and Uh, you're setting a tone and i totally agree with the thought of having an experienced mc versus the newbies give the newbies five minutes, seven minutes or whatever, right after the MC, you know, whatever that is. But the clubs that I see that have either a full-time MC or a rotating pool of MCs, those are the ones that I feel like the show, I feel like they care about the show a little bit more. And they also, the show seems to just flow better right from the beginning. Yeah, I I totally agree. I've been, because I've been, there where you go to a a club that has brand new comics on as MCs and they'll just get up and they'll just do their material and then you go to get up and now I'm like, okay, now I have to warm up the crowd yeah. because <laughs> you did nothing. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> and so like now I am the in the middle of the show MC. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, but yeah, it's a learning experience. So when you started out and compared to now writing, obviously you're taking personal experience and observations mm-hmm. on, onto your set. How did you take, and some of the stuff that you talk about isn't the best stuff in the world. You, you had some things happen to you and you, you talk about the getting off your meds and stuff like that and uh, <laughs> weaning yeah. off of it and stuff like that. How did you take those and put them on paper and make it funny? It just, I just started thinking about just my own experiences because that's, I've, I've always been with a class and stuff like that. I've always been taught that the best stuff you can write is the, the, the best source of material is your own experiences because mm. nobody is going to have the same experiences, mm. the same exact experiences. Sure, there's some overlap and stuff like that, but as long as it's personal to you, it's not going to be the same exact as some other comics. Mm-hmm. You want to have something new and different and interesting, but still relatable, obviously. So it just started when you when you first start. There's so much you can write about. Yeah. After years go by, it's okay. What haven't I talked about? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so. Do you yeah, have just, a writing routine or do you just write stuff down as it comes? What's your, how do you get your material? I, I try to 
make a routine, but then uh, obviously I go through writer's block and dry spells and stuff like that. Mm. And there's some exercises I try to do to help with that. Or we get another comic and do some writing together, bounce ideas off each other. And when me and John would be on the road, we could do that too. Mm. And we'll watch each other's sets. And if something I think of some some kind of tag for something of his, or he thinks of a tag for some of mine, and mm. we'll write it down or something like that, so we can talk about it later. So that's always uh, a good way to help. But yeah, it is. It's important to have a routine right now. Right now, it's difficult. I think for everybody to have any kind of routine mm-hmm. because it's so. It's been a little hard to write right now, but I right. try try to to get it in at some point every day. Yeah. I I have found that this whole, you know, pandemic has just totally sucked up my creativity. (laughs) Trying to write the stuff that I feel like I would want to perform is just about impossible because I don't see an end to it. And I I don't know if it's even worth it. So, yeah, I'm like you, I'm forcing myself and it's mostly I make myself read the news and do one-liners from the news and, right. and stuff like that. That's good. And then I've also developed a character uh, that I do Zoom mics and nice. I do the character <laughs> instead of myself. It's uh, Eugene from Smyrna and he's a conspiracy theorist. And so that's at least keeps me, it keeps my brain working, but it's mm-hmm. nothing I'm ever going to do anything with it's never going to amount to anything but i have found a few things i've decided to go a little bit back further into my relationship with my wife and the kids and go back even to when i was a kid and i found some material there i am going to work that through but right now it's just one one sentence on a page in a notebook so (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah it's and the things that be writing about now obviously you write about this whole the pandemic and stuff like that and hopefully whenever it it ends i don't know how much i'm gonna want to even go near this material again yeah which is sad yeah it's it's hard it's hard it's it's rough for it's rough for everybody but i i just feel like comics yeah. have a special a special despair <laughs> yeah i know we're very delicate yeah <laughs> we're very sensitive we can't take this kind of pressure yeah no doubt yeah. um you do you do a little bit of crowd work on every set i like to i really i feel like it helps me to be more comfortable and enjoy it more. Mm -hmm. I think it, and I feel like it's easier to connect Mm -hmm. uh, with people when I've, you do a little talking, not necessarily to everybody that I've talked to, but I feel like you get an idea of the type of people that are in the room and, or even just how they respond to Mm -hmm talking to them some crowds just love when you talk to them and yeah. then some crowds are, are just like meh just talk to your yes. material whatever uh-huh. you know yeah. stuff like that but i definitely yeah it's which makes this whole doing a comedy online yeah especially without a crowd it makes it just very difficult oh yeah yeah <laughs> to get no response yeah so but yeah i i definitely i don't think i in 
a very long time. I don't think I've done any shows where I haven't done some kind of crowd work, mm. you know, yeah, just the, can't help it. <laughs> the, you've got a set where you're it's about three minutes of crowd work. And I, I just felt like it was very easy. It was non-confrontational and it really, it, I think it lent itself to bringing the crowd into your story. So I thought you did it very well. Thank you. Thank you. You're different than uh, Ian Bag. He's he was one of my guests, and I I like him for different reasons. And oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, his is almost a Don Rickles type thing, and, oh. and he, he's going after him. <laughs> oh, okay, all right. I have my moments where I got to do that myself. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sometimes you just gotta. <laughs> yeah, thinking about that and crowds. Obviously, you get instead of crowds tend to be almost like an individual like they they all become one and they're either on your side or they're not on your side or you got to win them over I'm, I'm sure you've been in these situations when you're in that situation uh first of all when they are just not responding do you have any tricks that you do to change that? Do you, do you actually have a backup uh, set of jokes that you go to that, <laughs> that are a sure thing? What do you do when things like that happen? That's, uh, that's, a, good, that's a good question. If they are just not responding, it's real difficult to not just get super angry <laughs> sometimes and just be like, what is wrong with you people? Like, why did you come to a comedy show when you clearly don't want to laugh? Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, <laughs> I just, oh, that just scratched me crazy. But if, yeah, if I'm not getting a response, I have some material that is stronger than some other, you know, stuff that I know that's pretty solid enough mm-hmm. that I know it's going to gonna work for the most part. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I will go to some of that. And then there's some, yeah, it, there's some responses that you kind of just build up along the way for that situation that you just, you'll, I will go to almost automatically just in my head. Okay, these people hate me <laughs> this is what i talk about now <laughs> because they are not having it and just automatically you know switch over okay go to this but it's hard to say sometimes if they don't if they are not liking you, you just gotta push through and hope that some things stick or sometimes it, even if it doesn't seem like the the a majority of the crowd likes you there's still some people that you can see that are enjoying themselves. Mm. And if if I see that, if I see some people, I'll play to them. Mm. I'll talk to them. So at least somebody's having a good time. (laughs) (laughs) And it brings me a little bit of happiness to know that somebody's laughing. Uh Yeah, I'll do that. And then the rest of the people can just, whatever, (laughs) (laughs) amuse themselves. I don't know. Everything I've watched that you've done looks pretty clean. Are are you do you stay pretty clean most of the time? Yeah, I'm not a, yeah, I, I don't really have a lot of dirty material. I occasionally have I swear sometimes. Mm-hmm. I think I swear more off stage than on stage. Yeah. Filthy sailor off stage. Yeah. <laughs> Same. But yeah, yeah. Just don't yeah. 
It just doesn't, it just doesn't come out. Nah, and I'm not, I don't do a lot of jokes about, yeah, graphic. I don't know. Yeah. Just not a, a I don't know. Just never right. turned out to be dirty. <laughs> and what, what was it always that way? Did you ever yeah. have dirtier material or did you swear more on stage and, and took it out or did you just pretty much stay the course? I, th- I always, I think I've always been about the, the same level of dirtiness, yeah. which is not very, <laughs> but mm. I've always been, I mean, like in the class, we were taught that you limit yourself when mm. you're dirty. Yeah. You're not going to get a lot of opportunities, as many opportunities. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, I find that it's, it can sometimes be easier for comics that are dirty mm-hmm. because sometimes that's just all a crowd wants mm-hmm. to dirty, real raunchy and stuff like that. Sometimes that's what they are looking for. Mm-hmm. And so I find it's almost more challenging to not be dirty, even though it's, it's not, not challenging in the sense of it's hard for me to stay clean, but it's more challenging to get laughs. I think right as a, without going to, being real dirty or stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I respect that. I've got the same type of attitude. And yeah. the, the funny thing is people, I think, I guess friends tend to judge you a little bit because like you, I swear a lot off stage and my phone when I text, if I type the letter F in, it goes straight to fuck. It, it just knows. Cause, I can't get there. I'm yeah. always getting ducking. Yeah. I just, you know, I'm like, I swear, I'm swearing. Yeah. I don't know. When are you going to figure out I don't ever say ducking? Yeah. <laughs> like, it's just crazy. <laughs> it, it, it'll fix itself. Trust me after a few years. <laughs> but the, the funny thing is I tend to get, people say, why don't you be more on stage like you are in real life and pepper that with the language and stuff like that. And the funny thing is I tried it and, you know, Mm -hmm. I I put F-bombs in and stuff like that and I didn't feel comfortable doing it. And it just, I got a response and some bits maybe landed a little bit better when I put it in there. But I, like you, I just don't, I don't feel I don't feel like I'm being the comic I want to be when I'm up there swearing the whole time. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I like the the point of uh, comedy. I think, or, or or even the things that I find even funnier is like super well placed words. Yeah. Specific words, and when you too easy for fanity, whatever. It's too easy. It's you get something like I love when you find the perfect word for something. Mm-hmm. And it's not. So I think it, it takes more thought. You know, I might get better myself. Mm. Your pacing is uh, very natural and your pauses are like exactly as long as they need to be. How long did it take you to hone that to where you're not just going up and puking out everything at a <laughs> hundred miles an hour? Did you actually get some guidance on that and or did you just figure it out yourself by taping yourself or whatever? I still don't always have the timing. Sometimes you especially when you write something new, mm-hmm. you know, you have to you practice it and, and, and get the timing out. And also uh it's a ongoing not a not necessarily a struggle, but like a, an ongoing uh, learning process of being able to 
put something out there and if you don't get the laugh right away, still being it, being able to sit and wait is it's, I feel like it's in a lot of cases, a sign of a, a real pro. Yeah. They can just sit and, and let there be silence mm. without wanting to fill it with something. Yeah. Mm. And, uh, so I think that I'm, I'm always, I always like to work on that. I'm always, but sometimes, yeah, I'll puke it right out. Yeah. <laughs> just, oh my God, I got to get through this. Yeah. <laughs> you, know? <laughs> you people are not laughing fast enough. <laughs> you know, just, you know, so. uh, I remember I did one seven, seven minute set in five minutes. And I'm like, this is, this has always been seven minutes. What did I do? And yeah, yeah. fortunately I recorded it and I left a tag out and I talked way too fast. And yeah, when you're nervous, you just, burn through yeah <laughs> stepping on the laughter that's the worst mm-hmm. thing you can do yeah. it's you, you should be ticketed exactly. for that yeah yes <laughs> <laughs> i have a friend that i would do a lot of shows with and in the city and he would be like you stepped on it you stepped on yep. the laughs why didn't you wait why you could have been you could could have been laughing for a long time <laughs> like i just i couldn't stop myself yeah <laughs> And some rooms, it's really hard because you. First of all, you can't see the audience, and if you're if your adrenaline's up and you're not paying as much attention as you should, you and you're not breathing and all just all the right. things that that you need to practice, then man, you can you can just run right through it, step on the laughs, and right. nobody remembers you because they remember they laugh, but they don't remember why. And right, that, exactly. Know, that, that's not good for anybody. And then, and like in the theater shows, I haven't done a lot of those, but in, I've always heard that it's especially difficult because you really have to wait for it to get out there to the, the farther reaches. So your timing is like changes drastically mm-hmm. in those situations. You really have to, you have to say it and just be like, sit there and wait till it gets all the way back to yeah. the, the back seats. So yeah, I, I imagine that would that's sound, the way sound travels. It's mm-hmm. could be a fraction, a half a second before it gets back there, and that feels like ten minutes. Oh yeah, it does. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no doubt. Do you feel like if you if you hadn't met John and had a compadre during all this, do, do you feel like that made things easier for you and you felt more at ease doing comedy and traveling and all that? Absolutely, yeah. He has been. He's great. He's a great guy. He's, first off, he's he's a great comic. Obviously, mm. he's hilarious. He's a natural. And he's also, he's a great guy, just in general. He's been headlining on the road for a while, and he has been nice enough to take me on to feature for him. Mm. So I've gotten to go to a lot more places that I don't think I ever would have uh, gone to Mm. and even been seen, which is amazing. I owe him a lot for that, Mm. for sure. And also... Besides that, he's we really enjoy each other's company. We have a great time on the road. I even just because we talk through the through all of this, not just being able to do the comedy shows, but we just miss road trips. Yeah. <laughs> just getting out and we like to go get impossible burgers. Uh-huh. Uh, have you ever had the impossible burger? Yeah, we we my wife and I we really like them. We know mm-hmm. that they're not 
they're not all that good for you, but they're not perfect. Yeah, but they're it's still not meat, and it's yeah. and, and and they're really good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they taste amazing. I, I, yeah. So we make a point of when we go out on the road. We I always because I'm severely OCD. I try to find when we when I know where we're going and the, the direction we're going, the the roads and stuff like that. I look online. <laughs> on their website, and try to find places that have impossible burgers. Yeah. So we include them in, in our road trips. <laughs> and uh, that's fabulous. That's a great part of it, too. Yeah. And we also like to watch and see cows on the sides yeah. of the roads. <laughs> Always. Especially when we're heading out to, to the Midwest. Yeah. To see the cows. <laughs> Always looking for them. <laughs> what What's the difference between Midwest audiences and uh, audiences on the coast? <laughs> there's so much yeah <laughs> at this but at the same time i like them both uh-huh. i like them i enjoy doing shows in new york because i feel like it keeps me quick keeps my mind going but i also i enjoy doing shows out like we've done some shows out in ohio and michigan and stuff like that and i like doing shows for those people because i feel like I don't know much about them. They don't know much about me. And I feel like it's a really great opportunity to get to know um, mm. them and to show them a little bit about me. Because mm. They may not know somebody. They may not know, hey, they may not know a lesbian. They, <laughs> and I could be somebody that's uh, a non-threatening <laughs> lesbian. I don't know. <laughs> Some of those lesbians can be very threatening. But I like to, I think it's great. It's a great experience to see different life, mm-hmm. lifestyles and different different people. I talked to uh, Matt Brown. He's a comic in Chicago, and mm-hmm. he's a gay man. And he said one of the things that about the mid Midwest shows, and he goes out to the sticks and he'll, he'll mm-hmm. do a VFW or whatever. And the funny thing is that people like me are so proud of themselves for laughing at his humor. <laughs> yeah. and And I asked him, I said... Do you feel like you're changing anybody's minds by doing that? And he felt like in some cases you do. Do you feel that? I do. I, I like to hope so. I feel like some of the times I meet people after the show and they may they'll, they tell me, a lot of times I get, to, oh, my friends, my neighbor's daughter just married a woman. And uh-huh, I'm like, yeah. oh, okay, that's, that's great. <laughs> Congratulations <laughs> to your neighbor's daughter. <laughs> but I feel like, I think it's, I, I like to think it's, I'm, I'm bringing a little bit of experience or something different, some diversity. Mm-hmm. to their lives and, and mm-hmm. hopefully it's a, in a positive way because there's plenty of negativity out there about, about especially about being gay there's there's definitely still a lot of homophobia so if, if I can get out there and show people I'm not some kind of demon yeah <laughs> it's I, I, I that's like I said it's, it's one of the the reasons I enjoy doing shows out where I've never been before Mm -hmm. or don't ever really find myself wanting to go or planning to go. Yeah. So it's nice. That's great. And 
when you when you think about the way that the more I want to say that like New York audiences are more savvy. Do you feel like it's harder to make them laugh because they are? Yeah, I think that's what the thing I like about it is it does. It, it, it keeps me on my toes. It keeps me like, I can't just do easy, easy laughs. Sometimes they are really, they're, they can be really rough. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's just, no, you really have to be different. You really have to, you can't do any kind of hacky stuff. It's got to be different. It's got to, and, and it's always changing too. It's mm-hmm. always evolving. There's so many different kinds of comedy. There's alt comedy now. Yeah. And, and <laughs> it's just, you know, where it's not even funny. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> and that's what, like, I don't, sometimes I'm just like, I am not going to get this sometimes. And that's fine, but it, it definitely, I think it definitely keeps me on my toes. It keeps me thinking, keeps my mind going and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. I like it. When I talk to you and when I watch the different videos, you don't have the stereotypical New Jersey accent. You sound like more like you came from Indiana. Is that something that you really? practiced or is are you just doing your own voice? That's just, yeah, no, I never, I don't think, I don't know what the, the, what is, aside from saying New Jersey, that's the only thing I know. I guess, no, I, I don't know a lot of people that have the, the New Jersey accents that, but what is it, what is it that's. It's, it's that, almost like, I would say it's almost a um, different emphasis on syllables, like when de blasio talks i he's from the east coast yeah that's Uh, true (laughs) but but there's also the italian part that's in there too and i've always been fascinated with accents because i i used to spend a lot of time in the south and it's just it's just interesting to Mm -hmm. hear different accents and then you find somebody that comes from a particular area and they don't sound anything like you would expect I think you now in thinking about it now, maybe like the East Coast or even Jersey or New York or whatever, there it may be more of an attitude that's mm-hmm. more, I don't know, if, uh, not, I don't know, maybe more of a self-confidence or maybe a stronger mm-hmm. uh, voice. And I don't think I come across as super confident or strong maybe, mm. and maybe that's part of it I yeah don't know. maybe yeah i feel no. like, okay a midwesterner would say oh come on and uh somebody from jersey would say come on they're, oh, they're, yeah. it's a little bit come different on. emphasis yeah so <laughs> right. it, it, it's it, i i found that interesting everything i've watched that you that i saw online I think everything you had long sleeves on and you've got quite a bit of ink. Is is Uh, that something you do purposefully so you don't alienate part of the audience or is, how do you feel about that? Near in the beginning, I don't, I didn't necessarily, I guess it was more purposeful in the beginning because I didn't want to distract. Mm -hmm. And sometimes now it's still, I find it is distracting for people i find people are not i can i can tell when people mm-hmm. are listening to me and when they're just looking at my arms or something like that mm-hmm. you know? and also not necessarily on purpose but the covering the long sleeves is 
I don't, I like to have some step up from regular clothes. Yeah. Uh, mm. So I like to wear a jacket or long sleeve shirt, a button down shirt, or something mm. like that. But I still sometimes do, you know, have short sleeves on and stuff like mm. that. But I've always heard you don't want to wear stuff that's too distracting. Right. Yeah. Because you want people to, you know, concentrate on what you're saying and not what you're wearing or what you, you know, look yeah. like, stuff like that. But. What was Gotham thinking when they put that backdrop up that you you mentioned? <laughs> I don't know. It scared the crap out of me. I, I was just like, oh, this looks like a psychotic test pattern. I think is what I <laughs> yeah. was saying. And it, it was it was quite a yeah quite a look. <laughs> Everybody knows the rules. It's got to be red. It should be brick, but if not, right, it should right. be red. And never yeah. blue is not a laughter color. I, I just when I saw that b- before. You even mentioned it. I was like, what is this? (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, it was a bit rough. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Thinking about, this is something I ask everybody, what three things do you know now that you wish you would have known when you started comedy? Things that, three things that I know that it's not... It's important to know your worth, to know, like, at the beginning, I would take anything I could get, Mm -hmm. whether it was paid or not paid or crazy distances for very little money or no money or or shows that I know I was not going to do it like finding out the audience is a it's at a church or uh, and, and knowing <laughs> these people are not going to necessarily enjoy this show mm-hmm. and I'm not going to enjoy doing it because they are going to hate me and I'm <laughs> going to hate them and we're all just going to have a horrible evening <laughs> <laughs> so to know when to turn something down mm-hmm. uh, or to know that I am good enough to get to paid a certain amount Mm -hmm. or I wish I knew that more and it's okay to turn things down. That's like a a huge thing right Right. there. It's okay. If it's not, if it doesn't look like it's a good idea, you can turn it down. There's going to be something else. Uh Something else will happen. (laughs) That also, I guess it's not bad to ask people or approach people, not just wait for other, for bookers or clubs Mm -hmm. to notice you. Mm -hmm. It's not, bad to say, Hey, I've been performing. I've talked to other people at the club. I've I've enjoyed, I've done this and I'd like to maybe see if you consider putting me on your roster or something Mm -hmm. like that. That's something that I wish I did more Mm -hmm. of because I probably would have gotten out to places faster Mm -hmm. or stuff like that. But I, there was always the the thought of, Oh, I can't do that. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, I don't want to, overstep my bounds or they're going to be like, what are you kidding me? Or stuff like that. It doesn't hurt to ask. Yeah. It's one of those things. Yeah. And uh, a third thing would be, I don't know what the third thing hey, is. Hey, if you only got two, that's okay. I won't keep you on the hook for three. Those, those okay, are good, good. ones. <laughs> All right. You can expand them out to maybe make a three-ishness yeah. in them. Yeah. <laughs> actually knowing your worth and saying no, that's actually two. So there you okay, go. Great. Yeah. Excellent. All right. <laughs> then I made it. Yeah. 
So last thing, do you feel like doing your stand-up, do you feel like that is something that's the end game for you, or would do you have aspirations of doing anything else? I I enjoy, yeah, a lot of people, yeah, they do have, uh, I want to be a talk show host, or I want to, mm-hmm. but I would be okay with just doing stand-ups, doing shows, traveling, doing shows on the road, doing shows in the city. I've been lucky enough to perform for the troops overseas. And I, that is one of the greatest experiences I think I've had in in comedy Mm -hmm. to be able to perform for them. So I am that my, I don't have a bigger goal really than Mm -hmm. what I am just to get better and to, to, to get, to go to more places Mm -hmm. and get out there more. That's it. You got to respect that. And there's very few out there that have that same attitude. (laughs) (laughs) Some some people are probably like, that's pretty sad. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Hey, it's, it's, it's your life. And the way, if that's what makes you happy, that's all you need. I I was talking to you about the Jesselneck interview that I was mm. listening to, and he doesn't have any aspirations beyond doing stand up. Okay. He he says he doesn't want to be on TV, doesn't want to be a talk show host. He, he same thing. He doesn't want any of that. And that's good to know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what about you? Do you have uh, thoughts on anything? Uh, actually, I do, the funny thing is, I didn't start until I was fifty, and I I'm fifty six now. And I didn't really get serious about it until like right before the pandemic hit. And I really buckled down and was traveling to go to different mics and stuff like that and entered a comedy contest. And I was really feeling like I was getting good. And um, so right now, I'm not even thinking about that. I'm putting everything into the podcast and, and reaching out to people and talking to people like you because... I feel like what I put out on this is going to be bigger than my goals, and it's going to give information to up-and-coming comics and also uh, people who just want to know what comedy's like, what the life is like, and all that kind of stuff. So this is what I'm putting all my effort into right now besides writing shitty one-liners, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Aren't aren't we all? Yeah. spending those brief moments. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's funny though, where I'm getting to that point, I've been, I've done the same job and it's a fairly professional job for uh, 15 years now. And I started thinking about, I've got one kid that lives in Huntsville, Alabama, and my daughter's out in Falls Church, Virginia, and nine hours one way and 10 hours the other way driving. And so my wife and I are thinking, we don't really want to be here, and we'd like a, an escape plan. And I really was hoping that stand-up might be an escape plan. I, I didn't want to be a star or anything, but if I could be a feature or something like that, and, yeah. or, or even an MC or something, like, I would love it. But, you know. Well, ma- well ma- you never know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, maybe before honestly, I die. Yeah. yeah, people people make a perfectly good living on the road. Yeah, you never know. Who yeah. knows? So, for people who stuck through the entire interview, let's uh, remind them again how they can find you on the web. Okay, upstreamcomedy.com is my website, also known as joannefilan.com. And then on Twitter, Instagram, it's at Joanne Filan, and Facebook, Joanne Filan Comedy. Okay. 
Great. I've really enjoyed the stuff I've seen, and, and this talk was Thank fantastic. You. You're a great guest, and I didn't have to talk a lot, so that's we, we've done the goal. So. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs>